Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward. Kick It Forward is a local nonprofit organization that fosters community through soccer. Among other things, we promote accessibility, diversity, and integration at a grassroots level. Check us out on Twitter at kick underscore forward, on Facebook at kick it forward IA, and online at www.kifsoccer.com. We would like to thank our generous sponsors, including Scott Insurance Services, Michael Keener, Attorney at Law, and Purple Poppy Boutique. Scott Insurance Services is an independent insurance agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa, servicing central Iowa and all surrounding states. They are family owned and are a locally operated business with over 125 years of experience in the insurance services industry, specializing in personal and commercial insurance. They are a great friend of the pod, a huge supporter of soccer in Iowa, and run by Iowa soccer legend, Billy Scott. This podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to rate and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Hi there, I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend Blake Sievers, and we are here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. Welcome back to Soccer Talk. I'm Ben Brackett with my co-host and good friend, Blake Siebers. Blake, what's up, man? Hey, Ben. Uh, pretty excited because we got another game of the week this week. And it's and been a couple we have weeks or three weeks since we've done one. Yeah, yep. So we did the girl Drake-Baylor girls game. We're kind of uh, going the other route now. We're going on the men's side. With uh, Simpson down in Indianola against Wartburg. Big matchup. Uh, So in sort of kind of like in preparation for that, we also had a chat with uh, Simpson Storm head coach Rick Isaacson. Um, Great little interview. It was. He, I mean, kind of he started our day off. um, On the right foot. He did. He brought a bounty (laughs) of gear for us. He did. He really sorted it out. We're going to be hanging Simpson stuff up all over the, the studio. Uh, we got a little work to do with our gear over here. We got a lot of stuff to hang up. We do, and so maybe if there's any framing, um, picture should... frame businesses looking uh, for sponsorships, um, hit us up. Yeah. Slide into our DMs. Absolutely. Which is a good segue. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at kick underscore forward on Facebook at kick it forward ia, and obviously not obviously I shouldn't say that, but our website is www.kifsoccer.com. You know, and uh, kind of just one little plug, Ben, is our big golf outing here coming up on the 11th of October. Going to be here before we know it. I'm pumped. You can go on to our website, sign up, um, get a foursome in, get a single in. Uh, we've got, um, give a little shout out, Gary Isles, him and his group up in Ames. First, uh, they did this quite a few weeks ago, actually, but first first, uh, first committed Ooh. foursome. Like I said, that was probably a month ago, so... Well, I know we got Matt Nickel, we got uh, Iowa soccer legend. He's committed to a team, uh, and I know I yesterday I was uh, working on Richie Hurd. Richie Hurd's got a squad. Um, we're gonna. Who, I was getting. There was somebody else that I was working on yesterday that was at the real estate conference that was not related to me and Richie, and it was like they were like, "Ooh, I'm into that." David Wolf. He's playing with Joseph Unrath. Perfect. Beautiful. All right. Sorry, that's just a little Ben Brackett tangent for you. Um, what else do we have to talk about, Blake? 
Uh, maybe we'll just hold everything else and let's get straight to Rick. I love it. All right, here you go, guys. Chat with Rick Isaacson, Simpson men's coach. All right, welcome to the studio, Rick Isaacson. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good, Rick. So, you know, my first question, again, you've listened to all of our podcasts, so I know you know what's coming, is uh, is this the first pod you've ever been on? This is. And your thoughts are, are you a little nervous? I'm thrilled it's with you guys. <laughs> Take it easy on me. <laughs> what an honor. Um, well, so we always like to start uh, everything out with just a little bit of the origin story. Uh, you know, we know you're the Simpson men's coach, but tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you came to be here sitting in the studio with us today. Sure. No, I grew up in the area. I'm from Urbandale. I um, graduated from Urbandale High School, grew up playing for Urbandale Soccer Club. What um, was your club team? Urbandale back? Prism. The Prism. We, uh, so we like, might be the godfathers, pretty close to the godfathers of Urbandale Soccer Club. Um, that kind of started who, the... Who, who, uh, what was before this? Because there was Storm and uh, Freedom and... But, oh, you know, I I can't even recall the team. That would have been what the was Joey? Joey, Joey played West for... West Des Moines. Um, did he play for Urbandale? No, they wasn't. No. Yeah, West he was my age. He played for Challenge. Challenge, that's yeah. Right. Yeah, back so then. So who was your Prism, Challenge, and Iowa United would have been the top three back then. Ben loves yeah. the who question are, here. Yeah, who are your contemporaries? Like, who are the other guys you played with? Because you're a goalkeeper, right? Yeah, I was. On our group, uh, the group that went to Drake that you guys are familiar with, Brian Duax, Benny Harshbarger. Uh, it must have been a pretty competitive age group. It was a really competitive age group. Iowa United had Johnny Walker. I think he ended mm-hmm. up at, where was it, Yale? Yale, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and challenge had joey so yeah like i said it was kind of a three-horse race back in the day between those three clubs super competitive i i I miss those days um finished up at urbandale ended up at luther that's where i played my college career um and then went from luther to to ankeny where i was coaching both club soccer and the high school team in ankeny and then when the simpson job opened up um back in 2011 having played in the conference i thought that's a perfect fit we don't have to relocate I'd, i'd like to get in the college game so we we pursued that job, and I was fortunate enough to get it. And now nine years later, eight, nine years later, the rest is kind of history. Got a, got a lovely wife and three little kids, and that's my backstory. Well, awesome. you're kind of skipping over a little bit. I mean, you had a pretty prolific playing career, I think. It's true. Say. Um, you know, again, I've done quite a bit of research. <laughs> so uh, why, don't you, why don't you pimp them a little bit here and talk them out? Yeah, I mean, four-year starter um, up at Luther. Um, three NCAA tournaments. You guys, what, made the Elite Eight? We did, my junior year, yes. Um, which that's is pretty cool. Yeah, it, you know, that's the type of experience that led me to, to wanting to be a coach at the Division three level and, and, again, to become the, the coach at Simpson College. Is I had a great experience at Luther. Um, Getting that far in D3 is... It's tough. Really, I mean, you know, like the Drake guys, you know, did it the one year, but it's a little different. It's, you know, it's easier to qualify for the tournament and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, people don't understand that, about, that about the Division three level. There's 430-some Division three schools and only 61 or 64-ish get into the tournament. And there's know, half so. that number of D1 schools. Right, yeah. and, and there's only 48 um, automatic qualifiers because there's 48 conferences. So really there's, you know, just a handful of at-large bids that are out there for for hundreds of Division three schools. So it is a challenge to get into the NCAA tournament, but... Yeah, that experience at Luther is kind of what uh, enticed me to make soccer my life. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably, I mean, we probably would uh, echo those sentiments. Yeah, and I mean, talk about recent, the big uh, 100, 100 career win off of Simpson last <laughs> night. Yeah. So we, we uh, talk about that a little bit. I mean, we uh, we saw pictures and video all over the internet of little ice bath and ooh got a little wet didn't you I'm thankful it happened in September not October <laughs> um, no but I, it's like I told my my players last night and our coaching staff last night uh, if you do something long enough you reach milestones but I've been fortunate to work with really good players down at Simpson and 
that's why we've we've gotten to this point. There have been a lot of good players that have contributed to those wins. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about your team now? Um, we know a lot of the players because you do a really good job of capturing the local talent mm-hmm. that uh, maybe is not going to leave the state. Sure. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about, about you having a good year. Tell us about the squad. Yeah. What's we, been going on? We're off to a good start. We're nine games in. We're eight and one through nine games. Um we were really tested up in Gustavus. That's our lone loss loss of the year. Um, we've recently been able to generate some momentum. We're starting to score goals in bunches. I think our last two games we scored seven, and then last night we scored five. So that's that's the encouraging sign for where we're at right now. Um, you hit the nail on the head in terms of philosophically how we try to build our team and our program down at Simpson. We, we want to try to get the best players from our backyard here in central Iowa. Um, and then from there, we try to extend into to areas like Kansas City and Omaha and some of the areas that make geographical sense for us. But that's how we've gone about assembling our roster is these kids that are playing for the top local clubs and the top local high school programs, that's that's kind of our bread and butter. That's where we want to we wanna build from. Well, let's go off on that little tangent before we come back to the team. Talk about how you recruit. Um, you've got, there's a... Um, a I would say compare a lot of comparable Iowa schools, you know, that play mm-hmm. in your the same conference as you. So that's probably challenging to, you know, what what sets you guys apart and how you know where do you do you get them all from Iowa or where else do you go? Great question, and I think every coach would probably have a different answer to that question. We all deal with different budgets and different resources when it comes to recruiting, so that kind of shapes any school's philosophy, right? Um, in our case, because we're located so close to Des Moines, it, it makes the most sense to try to pull the best players from here, maybe cast, um, not cast such a broad net um, nationally. We try to do most of our recruiting regionally, but it does start here in central Iowa and Iowa and trying to keep those kids home. Um, and trying to get the best talent here in the state of Iowa. Um, and then again, from there, can we find hidden gems elsewhere? And, and that's that's our approach to recruiting. Can we get the top kids from Johnston, from Valley, from Dowling, from Waukee, from Ankeny? And I think if you look at our roster, that's that's what would stand out to you. We're trying to get the, the top talent from the CIML. Um, and then can we can we supplement those players with some, some nice players from outside the state? Yeah, I mean, you guys are big-time Iowa-heavy, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Um, and we obviously try to promote the Iowa player. So give our listeners, and maybe parents and players, what events are you guys going to to watch these players? Sure. You know, we do quite, like I mentioned earlier, quite a bit of our recruiting is regional. I get down to Kansas City three or four times a year. In fact, I'll get down there in November um, towards the end of our season. Hopefully we're still playing in November um, for, for, I think, that's the Challenger Showcase. We get back down there again in February um, because Overland Park has that nice facility, um, and it's only three hours from us. We, we try to make um, those showcases uh, center points on our calendar when we, when we identify sh- tournaments or showcases that we want to go find players. We also get up into Minneapolis, we get over into Chicago, um, we'll go over into Omaha and watch uh, OFC um, and you know EBA. Um, so those are the areas we hit up probably most commonly. We do have a budget that allows us to get into Denver, to go down to President's Cup in, in Arizona, so we can't, Las Vegas, we can hop around a little bit. Um, Sometimes I think smarter, not harder, though. And in our case, um, you don't necessarily have to travel all around the country to find talent. Well, it's probably, you know, no offense to Indianola, but probably easier to convince somebody from Iowa or at least the Midwest to say, hey, this is a cool little town, you know, and 
comparison with like you know you're down in Arizona or something trying to convince yeah. a kid that you know not only is it going to be cold, <laughs> yes, but uh, maybe small town isn't what you're uh, into. Right, and we're targeting a specific type of kid too, right? Um, we want the kid that understands balance, and that's what we're selling. You know, the the balance of social life, academics, and athletics, and you're going to get all three of those at a at a Division three like Simpson College, and and not every kid is wired that way. It's it's tough for a lot of eighteen year olds to think beyond the soccer component of of the recruiting process, which is why getting them on campus and on official visits becomes such an important part of the recruiting process because then we can tell them, listen, soccer's the icing on the cake here. You know, yeah. y- your decision shouldn't be driven by soccer. Soccer's going to supplement your college experience. Now we take winning and chasing championships seriously, but that shouldn't drive the decision. And that's a unique sales pitch, but um, we want to be honest and real with these these athletes and their families. And that's what we're selling at Simpson. You know, it's not what we can do the next four years. It's what we can do for you for the next 40 years type of deal. I like that. I mean, the Simpson network's pretty strong in central Iowa. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's one of our biggest selling points. Um, our proximity to Des Moines, we, we crush it with internships. So I'm looking for the kid that, that's a high-achieving academic kid um, and that sees the value in coming down to Simpson, getting their education, and then potentially getting an internship that leads to a job offer. Yeah, I mean, being 30 minutes from Des Moines, now with Des Moines kind of <coughs> buzzing as it is, um, doesn't hurt either, does it? No, it's, it, it really is. It's a great fit. It, to be a Division three that's just outside of a, a big city like Des Moines is unique. Most of the schools in our league do not have such a benefit, and we do use that to our advantage. We think uh, our relationship with Des Moines and, our, and, again, being so close to them is a big selling point for Simpson. I mean, that, that is probably pretty cool, you know, because you can just say, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to go up to downtown Des Moines for the weekend and yeah. check some stuff we'll out. Go I mean, watch a menace match in exactly. the off-season. You know, we can yeah, do a number of things. Right, get a concert in, get yep. a farmer's market in, Yep, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Not Court Avenue, though. <laughs> <laughs> we got to be careful. Yeah. Those boys don't know where that is. No, they don't socialize. <laughs> um, on that note, just kind of talk a little about that in high school. Um, do you guys go to high school games, go to the state tournament? What does the high well, we school... Know, we know he was the state tournament. I know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, again, that kind of gets back to the way things are structured at, at each school. In my case, I don't have a full-time assistant, which I don't view as a negative. Um, some of my competitors do. Um, our staff is comprised of part-time help, so I've got four guys that are working underneath me, and the way we've structured things is I, I've hired friends that are loyal to me that I trust, um, but those guys are also involved in the high school game. So a lot of the players that are coming to Simpson are actually playing for um, my assistant coaches. So Jim Frizzell is on staff. He's the head coach at Urbandale. Tim Stork is on staff. He's on Johnston High School staff. Connor Nightingale is on staff. He has some connections to Waukee. That's where he played. And then I've got Garrett Pokup, um, another former player of mine down at Simpson on staff. Um, and he comes with quite a bit of name recognition. But that's that's how we've gone about structuring our staff um, in an effort to kind of maximize our local recruiting efforts. Did you guys win any state titles at Urbandale High School? 99. 99? 20 years ago, right? Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's the big yeah, anniversary. I, I can't wait for <laughs> see, what, see what Jimmy and I are going to do to <laughs> 20 years. Year year. sure Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so we kind of talked about this in the, uh, the pre-interview, if you will. Um, just sort of like the, the difference between club and high school and, and how um, basically like the, the soccer scene in Iowa right now prepares or maybe doesn't prepare players for this next level of college where we've talked about this with a lot of the college coaches. These players are at the end of their career, um, so you might not be able to 
teach Blake to kick the ball any better with his left foot, but you know maybe you know you can turn him into like a, a proper competitor and a winner. That's to, that to me is the biggest issue we're, we are seeing with with the players we're getting down at Simpson. Um, the talent in most cases is undeniable. We're getting really good athletes and, and quality soccer players to come down and join our program there. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, we hope we wish that they came with a little bit more training or emphasis in, in competing to win. Um, I think that's one of the things that we're starting to see more with, with kids that are coming to Simpson is um, development, right? Um, they've heard the term development for so long, basically age 14 to 18, um, through all their training, it's been development, individual development, how do we make you better? How do we bring you along? And that's great. I think that needs to be a part of the process. What I it's think also is, like the kind of playing pretty soccer, too. It is. Right? It is. Pretty versus effective deba- debate, right? And at my level, I'd much rather play effective soccer because it's about winning. Um, and so that's, I guess, what I, I, I hope to see more of, or at least what we try to find in the recruiting process when we go watch club teams play, is is this a team that's competing? Is this a team that, when they train, are they keeping score and everything? Are they competing to win? Um, because you develop good habits when that's the environment or the culture that you create. Or are they playing for one of the clubs where they don't they rarely compete it's all technical um you know that those are the issues i think that we probably run into the most at simpson what sort what sort of habits do these kids come with yeah well we could run with a bunch of different directions with this but i'm just curious about since a lot of times we're trying to like help players and parents kind of understand what it's like what's training like for you guys high intensity um I'll echo what I just said. We, we keep scoring just about everything we do. We play to win. There's usually consequences attached to, to not so, winning. Such as? Uh, you know, fitness, that sort of stuff. Uh, maybe it has to do with picking up equipment on the day. Just, sure. you know, things that they don't care to do. That's how you get them to put their best foot forward on a consistent basis and try to win because they want to avoid having to do some of those things that, that we make the, the losing team do. Um, this translates, I would assume, into like how you're picking your team and lining things up. You know, you're going, okay, absolutely. well, so-and-so has been working really hard and competing and like winning a lot in training against you know, Blake's been losing a bunch, so let's just keep him on the bench. Right, and I think there has to be a balance, right, in, in this conversation. You know, we I get these kids for four years, and development is a big piece of what we're trying to do down there, but I'm a believer that if you create a, a highly competitive environment, the development component will come with it. One thing we used to do was interesting. Years ago, you would, uh, we'd keep score throughout like a one-month period, and it'd be interesting because depending on the year, there'd be players that definitely were not the best, but they were in the top two to three as far as number of points when everything was, you know, driven by points. And then you'd have maybe a couple of the best players were the mid-level on points. And it's like, all right, there's your, um, you could recognize who actually wants to win and is being effective compared to not necessarily put up a little fight. We used to literally like split the team into thirds and it would, you'd be be like, it'd be the top group, the middle group and the bottom group. And it would be a, like a full-on competition the whole training and like a lot of times that bottom group wanted to be in the top group so bad that you know you'd you'd end up winning because you know like you're just kicking the crap out of people yeah i agree with both of those points i i also think how do you how do you get better at game management or even understand game management if you're not keeping score or playing to compete right and that's one of the issues we see at, at our level down at simpson from time to time is you know, how does a kid react when they're down 1-0 late in a game or, or what makes it different when you're up 1-0 late in a game? And if you're not constantly competing and putting them in those situations, how do they know how to manage those situations? We'll that, use that as an example. Like when you're up 1-0 late in a game, uh, say you're at home, mm-hmm. the other team's after you, uh, 
talk about some things that you're doing. Right. What's that mean? And how do you manage that situation? Are we changing formations? How are we changing our style of play? Where are we taking risks? Where are we playing safe? If you're not keeping score consistently at the youth level, at the high school level, even at the college level, then how do you learn to manage those situations within a game? Because if you're never keeping score, those situations don't really present themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, because they, I think in the, uh, I coach in the academy, nines and tens, they don't keep score. Well, everybody knows everybody's keeping score, mm-hmm. except for the league or whatever it is. And so it's just, it's an interesting, like, teaching kids to win mm-hmm. you can do both i think yeah, yeah. Oh, i i agree and I'd, well and ultimately it's going to prepare we talked about this earlier too like it prepare you know if you've got a player that understands the situations and is competitive and manages it and all that stuff that's going to translate to being an adult and you know having a job or like yes. you know growing up and having kids or getting married all that stuff yeah those are the type of skills that do translate into the professional world and that you can learn from being an athlete at this level yeah. i think that's what i mean i know uh, uh, just in the business community in general like a lot of times they will like that's like a, a major positive like okay well this guy's smart he's oh, oh wow yes and he played college sports for four years mm-hmm. he must be committed and competitive and have a desire to win if we fall short of winning championships at simpson did you do enough to enhance your resume while you were a member of our program to give yourself an advantage over the competition in the real world that's our selling point we're going to chase championships but if we fall short did you enhance your resume through soccer and through being on our team so that you can get the job over person x y or z when you go head to head with that person board of trustees and the president are going to love that (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they're listening too uh well so then go back uh, a little bit when we talk about um you know the youth game and how they're preparing you know we're preparing our players statewide um we talk about the calendar. That's one of the, our big topics that we're, you know, constantly bringing up. Is you know, it's it's very short and condensed, and uh, it's also not very competitive. And there's an emphasis on state cup, but state cup doesn't really get us anywhere anymore. Whereas mm-hmm. when you won state cup in the late '90s, you're going and playing against yeah. the best players in the region. You're going, ooh, this is what it looks like. Yeah, the academies have changed uh, kind of the whole landscape a little bit, haven't they? Absolutely. Big time. Yeah. Yep. Um, it just keeps changing. We're just still right. Yes, here. and you're right about the calendar. I think it's that's a long-standing issue, um, and and I think there are a lot of components that contribute to that. From high school soccer being in the spring, you know, when everybody else is playing in the fall, to not hardly playing any soccer in the summer months when those are our best months in terms of the weather. Um, little things like that, I, I think, are worth revisiting because it, it sure seems like, and I know this because I have young kids that are starting to play more soccer, but it sure seems like we're not playing as much soccer as we should when we're able to get outside and have the best weather. Yeah. And then we're forcing these kids to play a lot of soccer maybe when we're being forced inside. Yeah. Yep. That's, and we got, uh, if you stay tuned, tease for our listeners, we're working on, we're still working on a little solution. <laughs> okay. <for that>. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're um, getting closer, getting closer. Is there anything on that note to kind of put you on the spot here? Uh, Rick Isaacson, the man that has all the answers, you right, are the right. head of soccer in Iowa. Is there one thing or two things that you would say, hey, this one change, it's going to happen 100%. Is there one thing that would start the movement? Um Start that movement. You know that's a that's a really good question, and I'm not. Likes to hit hard. Yeah, and he it's does. a surprise question too. <laughs> this I, is why we talked thirty minutes before, but we did. I held off on this. This one, is why I'm not paid the big bucks and not at the the top of the hierarchy. No, you know I I think we do a lot of things well here in Iowa. In fact, what you guys are doing is a huge step forward for the state. Just um, 
this is unprecedented territory, right? And you're growing the game and, and you're doing new things. And I think that's hugely important. Um, there isn't any one big thing that I can identify as something that I, I would I would change. I, I think we have to trust our leadership in the state. I think, you know, the more exposure you guys bring to issues like you're like you're willing to do, I think that's going to help us all move forward. Um, but no, I think we do a good job. I think the challenge for soccer in the state of Iowa is trying to go from good to great. Yeah. Well, and I think it's funny though that we talk about the competitive thing and, you know, teaching our players to be a little more competitive. I think part of it too is like us as a state as a whole, the leadership wanting to be a little more competitive overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you, and wanting, you know, you talked about just the putting an emphasis on winning. And, you know, the cultures change and generations kind of, you know, evolve. And I, I mean, I think when, when we were kids, there was probably like a lot of emphasis on winning. And that can be detrimental. I get that mm-hmm. for sure. But um, I think it's, it's swinging a little bit maybe the other way. Yeah, I, again, I agree with what you're saying, and, and I experienced the exact same experience that the two of you did. You know, I think we were all, all of our eggs were in one basket. We were all in when it came to winning, you know, as youth players, and, and that has changed a little bit. So how do we get back to that? You know, it's such a PC culture right now, and, and everybody gets a trophy, and we reward finishing, you know, third, fourth, fifth place, and create separate divisions and separate leagues so we have multiple winners or so that everybody's feeling good about themselves. And I think we have to find more of a balance, right? Um, you got to teach these kids to compete to win because in doing so, there are a lot of valuable lessons to learn. Um, but you also have to, there has to be some balance, right? We do need to provide opportunities for kids that maybe aren't going to be playing on the top teams. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's uh, let's circle back and talk about the Simpson Storm a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. Um, so your boys, you've got a big squad, right? 36. Talk, yeah. Okay, so just jump in there. Let's start with that. Talk yeah. about just who, who we talked to. Um, I'm trying to think of who it was a couple weeks ago, where they struggled to even field 22 players to play 11 v 11. Who was that? Was it Baylor? Yeah, I think, think it was Baylor because they were just call it Johnson. Yeah, they had us just this year, kind of a few things, but yeah, a couple injuries, and they they purposely recruited a little light because mm-hmm. they had a lot of strong players. Mm-hmm. But then in training, you know, they're not playing 11 v 11. They're not sure. Um, and so it was just interesting to talk to him about what like how did, how does he structure things differently? But yeah, the big squad. What do you do with the other 15 guys? I'm, I, I, yeah, no, I'm fortunate because I don't have the same pressures that some of my peers have from, from their respective admissions departments. So I know there are coaches within our league um, that face pressures to, to blow up their rosters and to bring in a lot of players and to support JV teams and reserve teams. Um, because that helps the enrollment at their institutions. And I don't face the same pressures. While I have an optimal number that, that they want me to be at, there is no pressure to support a reserve or JV team. So if our roster swells, like it is right now in the mid-30s, we can we can schedule JV or reserve games. And in any given year, we will do so. Um, so are you doing that this year? In this particular year, we are not. Because um, when you we have four goalkeepers, about 30 field players, and we'll play as many as 25, 26 guys in certain games. We have a very deep team. So that's really only about a handful of guys that aren't getting game experience right now. Um, but getting back to the, the question, yeah, I just... Um, we're, we're lucky from an admission standpoint that I don't have those pressures, which means in the recruiting process, if I'm recruiting you, we want you. Um, there's no fluff. There's no false sales pitch there. Yeah. Um, so talk about like your core group 
who's uh, who's kind of leading the way for you right now? Yeah, we have nine seniors. Um, so of our 36 guys, it's a senior-heavy team, and a lot of those guys have, have been contributing for years. So we have several four-year starters. Um, Trevor Fuccio is one of our captains. He's a center back. He's a four-year starter. He's out of Marshalltown kid. kid yeah. Played for Menace Academy. Um, very good player. Um, our other center back is a, is another captain, Brendan Owings. He's from the Kansas City area, played for Kansas Rush. Um, Brendan's a three-year starter. Connor Robson's a three-year starter, kid out of Ankeny that played for Ankeny Rush and Ankeny Centennial. Our goalkeeper's a three-year starter from Norwalk, played for West Des Moines Soccer Club, Jake Potratz. Oh, I love Potratz. So our, yeah, he's a very good player. So our experience in the back is heavy. Um, in fact, that's why we were optimistic coming into the year was we, we brought back 10 of 11 starters um, and a lot of experience in the back. Um, Darius Doswell is an interesting story, right? So he came to Simpson, actually left to go to Iowa he's State. He's still there? Yeah, exactly. He's closer to my age than our players' age. No, uh, yeah, and he came back. He missed it um, and realized what he had after he went away for a little bit. But Darius is going to end up being a four-year starter, just an untraditional four-year starter. Um, but what you guys are going to see Saturday when we when we take the field against Warburg it is a, a heavy local influence. I think you'll recognize a lot of those names and a lot of those faces, which is why we hope people come watch us play not only do we play exciting soccer but it's a lot of local kids down there so we here's 30 minutes down the road yeah like right on yep so here's a question for you as a player right so if i'm if i'm trevor fuccio or sam Dar- if i'm darius doswell i know mm-hmm. darius uh i've known him since he was a teenager and he's a great kid but he's fiery and he wants to play every single minute of the game mm-hmm. but you said you're playing like you know, over 20 guys a game. Yeah. How's that work? Are you bringing somebody like that off or are you keeping somebody like that on? Well, we're lucky in his case, he's an old man now, so his body doesn't hold up as well. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, he feels like we feel after we play. Uh, no, well, so, so how does he go away for a little so bit too? Right, right. He's more willing to take his breaks now than he was a couple years ago when he was younger, but you do make a good point. Well, there are yeah. definitely guys that are, yes. maybe, maybe it's not him, but you no, know, you're I know there are guys points. that are like, uh-uh, I'm not coming off, coach. For sure, and that's one of the issues we've had to deal with as we've accumulated a, a deep team like we have this year. Um, um, the message has changed to some of our top players. You're no longer going to put in 80-minute shift, a 90-minute shift, or that's going to be rare now. We're going to utilize our depth. We're going to try to wear teams down. That is now a team strength, so we need, we've identified that, and now we need to adjust accordingly. So maybe that means guys that are used to playing 80, 90 minutes are now going to play closer to 60 minutes. Um, but the overall scheme, um, it's better for the team. Fair enough. And you, and you guys are playing you know, two and three times a week. Yeah, and they bought into that, to be honest. It, we've had some tough conversations, some guys that we've had to kind of revisit this very conversation and remind, you know, we're, we're a better team when we get deeper into our bench. And yeah, you need it, come the, November. I mean, that's yeah. you don't want them right. logging. I, I remember being at the end of the season and just absolutely – just trashed you know like right. your body's like oh, sometimes less is more and we want these guys to still want to play soccer when our season's on the line in november we don't want them to be tired and ready to be done with soccer so are there guys i'm mean, obviously like goalkeeper you're gonna probably not change him a ton but like are you keeping a center back on like all game like it's just you know last I'm, night's again, a good example curious. so um Last night, I think we, prior to the game really opening up late, I think we'd played about 23, 24 guys, and then when, when it opened up late, we got even deeper into the bench. But I would say we'll, we'll usually play between 18 and probably 22 guys, even in our most competitive games. That's just how deep we are. Last night, we didn't do a full line change. Um, I think we left our two center backs out there, but that means nine other guys yeah. entered the game in sure. the first half. So Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that will stand out to you guys tomorrow as well. I think you'll you'll see two deep teams because I think Warburg also will utilize their depth. There's a lot of good players that are sitting over there just waiting for an opportunity. So then you're about halfway through the season? Yeah. So what's, 
you know, you've only lost one game, so, you know, in theory you're in a hunt for at least an at-large bid, but then I'm sure you're also thinking, okay, like, we want to win the conference. So yeah, we, we predict, got a tough conference, though. We do. Our league's t- really tough. I think we're ranked about 8th out of 48 conferences right now, and that kind of fluctuates and changes over the course of the season. When we put together our schedule at Simpson, and you do so two years out, um, you try to you try to create a schedule that does allow you to get an at-large bid in the event that you don't win your league. In our case, I'm not so I'm not sure that is how things have unfolded, and it's tough to predict when you're doing this, you know, two years in advance. But we're, we're certainly pleased to be eight and one. I'm not sure that we know if we're really good yet. Um, uh, we're going to find out on Saturday because Warburg's going to be a, a tough test for us. Awesome. So you guys picked to finish fourth in the preseason poll. Yeah. Um, where are we going to end up? You know, we're typically picked to finish right in that area between third and fifth. Um, our league, the way things have unfolded since I've been at Simpson, there's been a clear top two in Luther and Loris, and those are the two teams that have been getting to the national tournament and winning our league on a consistent basis. And then I think there's a, a middle tier where you've got the Warburg, Simpsons, UD, Centrals, now Nebraska Wesleyan. And then I think you've got a third tier where you've got schools that are trying to play their way into that second tier. That's how I think our conference kind of breaks down the landscape of our conference. We're in a position where we're trying to play our way out of that middle tier. We've finished third four years in a row, um, and I know our, our players and our coaches are getting sick of that. So we're trying to kick down that door and play our way into the top two. Tell me about the uh, how you feel about Luther. Like, what's that? What's that like now? <laughs> yeah, I, I always thought that. Like, knowing in my conference, I, there's no way I've ever could have coached at an opposing sure. school. So I'm sure. just curious, what's that like? No, I get asked that often, right? And that's always a tough match every year because you know, on some level, that's your alma mater. You still care about them, but it's also it's the school that I I, I really want to beat. Um, they happen to be finishing ahead of us right now, so we, we have to find a way to to beat Luther. It's it's easier said than done they're a really good team well coached same with Laura so we've got two giants in our league the the challenge for us is how do you how do you slay those giants and I think we're inching closer to doing that are those I assume those are dates that are circled on the calendar yeah every conference match is our league is so competitive um getting into the conference tournament is no small task and I think that's what you're playing for at this point you have um, to finish in the top six so six, six okay. of the nine in our league get into the tournament the top two get first round by so ideally that's what you're trying to do play your way into the tournament if you can play your way into the top two you get that by opportunity to host so um We'll address that further down the season with our team. Right now, it's kind of a one game at a time yep. mentality. Sure. Very good. What else? Uh, what else should we touch on? Uh, you know, give us a couple more shouts on some local players because that's what we. You know, we always want those guys to. Um, yeah. Listen to the pod, basically. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, but true. but some of this, and these sure. are guys that we've been following. So like you've got uh, you Baraka. Know, talk, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Baraka, Ellie, Jordy yes. Triana, some of those guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and those guys that you just mentioned are, were all super talented local players, both at the club level and high school level. So, you know, Baraka, he shredded it at Roosevelt, did really well at Menace Academy. We were thrilled when he decided to join us down at Simpson. What a um, cool story he's got, too. Yeah, he is a really cool story, and we're getting more and more kids like Baraka. Um, again, in my opinion, those are the kids that slip through the cracks. If a different set of eyes sees them in the recruiting process, maybe they end up at a, at a scholarship program, but for whatever reason... Um, they fell through the cracks a little bit in the recruiting process, and we were pleased to, to pounce and jump on those guys. But Barack is a good example of that. Dom Yang's another good example of that. Dom's a kid that actually went to North before transferring to Lincoln. Um, that might be part of the reason why he slipped through the cracks. He, he changed schools. Um, I think he's also 
club hopped a little bit, um, but he's another local kid that we're really high on, a freshman. Um, he was actually the, the player of the week the first week of the season as a, as a freshman. That's awesome. Um, and then you mentioned the two Valley guys. Jordy Triana is a transfer. Julius Cooper is a transfer. We were we were very happy when those two decided to, to join us after taking a little bit of time off after high school. So Yeah, it's pretty, again, that's pretty cool. We really love the, the local connection that you're mm-hmm. keeping. Uh, we're excited to check out the game on Saturday. Um, yeah, you have to wear your new swag. Yeah, again, <laughs> we should make it known for the future guests. Rick came, uh, we're going to call him Santa. He came with yeah, a lot of goodies. He did come bearing gifts, for yeah. sure. Uh, prediction for Saturday. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Ben, I interrupted. No, no I love that. I, Surprise. I, it's my favorite part of the Dan Patrick show when they put the coach on the spot like that, right? <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm a Hawkeye fan, too, so... Uh, I'm a big Kirk Ferentz fan. I'm not going to fall into your trap. Yeah, I predict a really competitive match. You're talking about the team that was picked to finish third, a team that was picked to finish fourth, a team that in my nine years at Simpson, is it's a toss-up every time. I think every every time we've played Warburg, it's been a one-goal game, if I'm not mistaken. So that's what you can expect. It might even be headed towards overtime. It's going to be a, a highly competitive match tomorrow night. Awesome. A little free soccer sounds okay with me. Uh, plug your social media and stuff real quick. Where can the... Where can the, the people, the, the, the fans find you? Yeah, um, you know, our, our Twitter account is a great follow because Coach Frizzell runs that. Um, yeah, that's always I know, I'm pretty brave in letting him uh, be the man behind the Twitter account. But I'm yeah, sure there's rules. That he he's a good follow, follow at uh, SC Men's Soccer. Um, and other than that, that's probably the best way to keep up with us. Uh, our, our website, you know, SimpsonAthletics.com is another means to track us. You can find all of our games there from for live stream and all of our stats and box scores and recaps. That's awesome. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. We're, again, looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Another good one in the books, Blake. Rick was a fun interview. It was, and, you know, it's kind of a little funny. We didn't even talk about it, but I... I used to coach with Rick probably 10 years ago. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, good talking soccer with him. I love I love talking soccer. Uh, you know, and that's... Uh, I hope so, Ben, because that is what our podcast is all about. <laughs> so uh, we're going to post this uh, here end of the week before the Simpson game, I think. Uh, so... Uh, make sure to come uh, see us at the Simpson game. It's down at Simpson College. They play Warburg. Uh, this is a big matchup for them, if you heard Rick say. Um, you know, they were both picked third and fourth in the conference, which uh, when you play in the conference with Luther and Loris, that third and fourth spotter, uh, the ones that you're really looking for. Yeah, 7 o'clock p.m. down in Indianola. And like we discussed, a lot of local players, Luther um, has their hand in some as well. Absolutely. We're sorry, Warburg. I'm yeah. sorry, Ben. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll get to see a lot of local players. Uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of the soccer community out. Um, I'm excited to get down to Indianola. I haven't been in a while. I'm with you. Uh, where are we going to go beforehand? Do we have a place that people should come meet up with us? Oh, you know, there's a place called The Garage. Ooh. Um, Maybe that's where we'll go. That used to be Professor Spellerberg's favorite joint. Ooh. The well, zoo bar is a little, uh, I think that's for the young crowd. I was that sounds like it's for the kids. Yeah, I think it is too. <laughs> well, uh, you know, slide into our DMs if you have any interest in coming down. We'd love to uh, hang out with any Kick It Forward supporters. Um, in the meantime, um, thanks again to our sponsors, uh, the Purple Poppy Boutique, Scott Insurance Services, and Michael Keener, attorney at law. Um you know, we're always looking for more sponsors, of course. So, um, but you know what? I, I think our, our lineup's pretty strong. 
it is, but again, we're open and we're always looking to get. We stronger. can put a little pressure on our current sponsors. Yes, yeah, sp they, uh, yeah. they don't want to get bumped Especially out. Especially Scott Insurance Services, they could use a little pressure. Um, all right, well, we'll uh, look forward to the little game of the week. Uh, hopefully, we'll have the Titan Tactician to be able available. Um, we'll see you next time, guys.